Welcome to the Future of Education podcast series brought to you by Canon Australia. In this series, we speak with business experts from across Australia, including prominent academics, commentators and business leaders. The series complements the Future of Work report, written by academic and researcher Dr Sunil Badami. It covers the challenges facing businesses and workers today, the role in technology education might play, and how we can navigate an increasingly uncertain future. In today's episode, we speak with Ross Rieke, founder of meaning and happiness consultancy, Rise. Ross has extensive experience in shaping the people, strategies, and senior management teams of major organizations across a number of businesses, including construction, property, and engineering. Ross consults to businesses so they can create happier workplaces that provide employees with meaningful work. In today's episode, Sunil and Ross discuss the changing workplace and why meaningful work is so important in the context of this change. So, who are you and where are you from and what do you do? I'm Ross Rieke. I'm the founder of Rise Consulting. Um, I'm a researcher and a consultant in meaning and happiness at work. I'm on a mission to inspire people and give them confidence to find their own meaning and happiness in the workforce and help businesses to lead with meaning so that that can happen. And how did you come to being interested in the meaning of work? I've always been interested in why people do what they do. Uh, Ever since I was a kid, I always wondered, why does that person do what they do and how have they become that? Um, I fell into a career in recruitment and then in HR strategy. And when I started my business in HR strategy, I was looking for a creative outlet. And my answer was to go and buy an audio recording device and start recording interviews with people about what made work work for them, um, called The Meaning of Work. And I was sitting in one of the interviews and a colleague had sat in with me and she said, oh my God, that was amazing. Imagine the insights um, and the the body of knowledge you put together if you keep doing these interviews. That'd make a great PhD. And that was the moment um, my whole body sunk into the chair and every fibre in my being said, make a call. Uh, I called an old lecturer from university and uh, one week later I was enrolled in a PhD. Um, And that started the journey to um, a long meaning of work research. So what are the biggest challenges facing workers and employers today? I think one of the, the growing challenges today for workers is what is the point of what I'm doing? Um, what, what, where is the meaning in what I do and um, what's it for? And we're starting to see um, the beginning of a tsunami on this. Um, people want their work to be meaningful. We spend so much of our time doing it. Um, and it's kind of depressing if it doesn't have a point. Um, and it can be so uplifting when, it, when it's for something greater. So one of the challenges for um, organisations is how do you make work meaningful? How do you foster that experience. So how can employers or organisations make work more meaningful for their workforce? My view is that meaning and happiness at work are an organisational capability and a leadership capability. And organisations can make work more meaningful by learning what levers to pull um, to give people meaning. And there are many, many different aspects to meaning. Um, It's not very well understood and it's quite subjective. So 
The first piece of advice I would give to businesses to make work more meaningful is to make it a business priority. Put it at the top of your strategic imperative list, um, appoint somebody in charge of a program to do it, and start a conversation about why people come to work and what it means to work in your organisation. So what makes work meaningful? We know what contributes to experiencing work as meaningful. Uh, there are seven different categories. Um, we hear a lot about purpose and finding your why, and that's really, really, really important. But it's not the only thing. Um, there's making a difference to the world. There's having, uh, there's having uh, a purpose which is a clear direction. Uh, there's a sense of belonging. Um, having a shared identity with your colleagues makes work a meaningful experience. Um, there's doing things that you love doing. Um, that's a sense of authenticity. There's also um, achievement. A lot of people come to work because they can achieve things that, um, um, that challenge them and facilitate personal growth. Um, we, got a sense of self, we get a sense of self-esteem from work. Well, often work can damage our self-esteem, but the best workplaces, we have a sense of self-esteem that makes work meaningful. Um, then there's the individual connections between, between people. Um, so in my research, uh, I've discovered that there are seven different key areas to making work meaningful. Um, and if we focus on those, um, that's the pathway to meaningful work. What are those key seven areas? Uh, the seven key elements of meaningful work um, are purpose, having a clear direction, making an impact to the world, doing something that benefits your community. Um, doing something that you love, a sense of authenticity, um, achievement, challenging yourself and growing, um, self-esteem um, and the self-worth that we feel from it, um, the connections that we have with, uh, uh, the interactions we have with our co-workers and a sense of belonging, a shared identity. How do you see work changing in the next few years, Ross? I see a, I see a very definite shift over the next few years in work. People want meaning and happiness at work. Um, and it's becoming very, very clear. Our recent research suggested that 66% of Australians value happiness at work over money, which surprised us. That was, that's a really big number, two thirds of the population. Um, and 81% of people that we surveyed for that research said meaning at work would make them happy if their work was for some purpose. Whatever you do, there are times when business as usual demands the unusual. Acts of God like bushfires can eradicate all of your files in one fell swoop. Thankfully with Canon, our scanners come with highly accurate optical character recognition for quick digitization. So you can say goodbye to boxes and filing cabinets and hello to Therefore software for automated, efficient processes that revolutionize how your data is managed quickly and securely. Doing the work so you don't have to. And you can get back to business as usual. Because no one does it like you. Where do you see the workplace in the next few years? I see the workplace in the next few years changing in several key areas. Um, Millennials are not the future of work, they're the present of work. This is our reality now. The Gen Zs coming through are going to be even more of a handful than them for traditional paradigms of management to cope with. 
they want flexibility. Um, and the, the future workplace is going to be one where people have flexibility to pursue what's important to them. I think with technology, um, we can automate the tasks that are mundane and we can focus our attention on the things that make a difference. Um, the ideas that we've got, the, um, uh, the, the things that are going to change the world or change our, our companies. But the future workplace uh, over the, sorry, the workplace over the next few years um, is one where people will increasingly pursue things that matter to them. So what role can technology play in the future of work? Technology can play, technology is playing a huge role in the future of work. It's providing us with a massive inflection point um, in our relationship with work. Um, the advances in technology are, people are scared because it's going to take away our work. Um, but I see it in a more positive light. I see technology taking away the mundane things that don't give us a sense of purpose and allowing us the freedom to focus our attention on what's important. Um, as an example of that, um, uh, I read a study this morning that said the average pilot spends only three to seven minutes steering the aeroplane. Um, so on a 12-hour flight from Australia to Singapore, um, he's got 11 hours and 53 minutes to do something else. Maybe it's learned a language. I don't know what pilots have to do. But that time could be spent doing something that really matters instead of a monotonous task like holding the wheel steady. Um, so I see that being one area that technology can make a difference. Why do we need to work, Ross? Work gives us meaning and purpose, and without it, life is empty. That's a quote by Stephen Hawking, and it suggests that we really do need to work. We're wired to do something. We're, we need a reason to get out of bed every day. Um, we need, uh, going, back to, going back to my research, the seven key areas that I've identified, we need a sense of purpose. Um, we want to make a difference to our communities. Um, it allows us a chance to um, work with other people and collaborate, and we're collaborative beings. Um, it gives us a sense of self-esteem when we do things that we didn't think we could do before. Um, it gives us a sense of achievement. Um, it, it gives us um, the individual connections that would be missing otherwise. So um, unless somebody can invent something better to do with our time, um, work gives us those things. So, Ross, why do you think the future... Why do you think there's been so much discussion recently about work and the future of work in the media and the government lately? I think there's been so much talk in media and government about the future of work because we're at this gigantic inflection point which has been driven by technology. Um, and people are worried. People are anxious about this. Uh, anxious people uh, leads to anxious governments. Um, and we're realising that with um, the pace of technological change, that the pace of our um, discourse around uh, what work means to us has not, has not kept up. So there's been, there's been so much talk in government and the media about the future of work because of technology, industry 4.0. Um, it's the huge catalyst that is shifting us um, into a new way of working. 
people are worried about this. We're anxious about having a job and having security. I see this as an amazing opportunity to reset our relationships with work and to talk about what work means to us and why we're doing it. Um, and I think there's huge positives that can come out of this conversation. How have expectations or aspirations around work and careers changed? Aspirations and expectations around careers have changed dramatically and are changing dramatically uh, with the millennials and the Gen Zs to follow. Um, people want more. <laughs> they want more than just a paycheck. Um, the millennials and even more so the Gen Zs, the legacy they've been handed by baby boomers is we consumed all the oil, um, we've eaten all the fish and we've chopped down all the forests. Here, you deal with it. Um, so these guys and girls have grown up with this as their reality. Um, what do we do about the oceans? What do we do about the forests? What do we do about the disparity between rich and poor and overpopulation in the world? These are the ones that are going to solve it. So they're coming into a workplace saying, okay, day one, where do we start solving this problem? Um, and they've been bitterly disappointed when they work out that um, they haven't been given the chance to do that. So the expectations and the aspirations of the coming generations are going to be to make a difference to the world and make it a better place. So what generational changes have you noticed, particularly between older workers, Gen X and baby boomers, and millennials and Gen Z? I've noticed a huge generational difference uh, in how older generations and younger generations view the topic of meaning and happiness at work. When we go to a business and consult to them, we need to explain the financial benefits to the older generation. If you make your workers happy, if you give them meaningful work, you will get an increase in productivity. The younger generation of leaders, they see meaning and happiness at work as a worthy goal in itself. <laughs> Why not aim for that? And let's the profit will take care of itself afterwards. So we see a huge shift in attitudes between older and younger. How do you think the workplace will change in the next few years? I think there's a big change coming. And I think the big change is um, people opting out and starting their own businesses and freelancing their skills. Um, businesses are going to have to work harder to keep people. Um, so they're going to have to offer them something different, which is a compelling reason to be there. Something that um, inspires them, something that gives them meaning, uh, something that um, rewards them well for that as well. So how relevant will the workplace be in an age of you know, um, casual work, freelance work, off-site or outsourced work? In an age of um, gig economy, freelance work, uh, part-time and casual work and underemployment, the workplace is still relevant. It's still a place where we can um, be with others, um, come together and achieve something. Um, the challenges of um, a geographically spread out workplace or lots of freelancers working for Uber running around is what are the, what are the common, where, how do we shape a common sense of identity in that? And how do we, send, how do we shape uh, a sense of belonging amongst that? Um, and that is a big challenge for the future. What does workplace culture mean to you? Workplace, workplace culture means the visible and the invisible 
rules, symbols, and structures, and sets of behaviors um, that govern how things are done around here. But in the simpler terms, it's the expectations around what it's like to work in this place. So in an age of off-site, outsourced or automated work, what is the point of workplace culture? I think in an age of outsourced, off-site work, culture is more important than ever. Um, and we see that, especially with the technology companies. Um, and it starts at the top of these companies. What's our ethos? What's our philosophy on this? Um, how are we treating those workers? Um, they need to be brought into and feel a culture more than anybody else because it's lonely work doing that. Um, it's, it's isolating work. And in an age of freelanced off-site workers, the role of culture is more important than ever. It's pretty lonely driving an Uber around um, and you're isolated and you need to feel part of something um, to avoid the, um, the, the meaninglessness of that job. So culture is going to be the glue that brings that together. So um, what role will management have in a gig economy? In a gig economy, um, we need our leaders more than ever to be talking about culture and talking about ways of behaviour. Um, it's harder to get culture to happen when people are fragmented and uh, driving around in Ubers and freelancing. So we've got to have a set of principles that we stand for. And it's the leaders have got to push those principles and push those behaviours. They can't touch directly. They can only influence. Um, and we need our leaders to be strong influencers around moral values and ethos and culture. So how can organisations and management influence and foster meaningfulness and engagement in their workforce? By making it a business priority. Um, it has to go up near the top of your list of strategic imperatives. Um, and somebody has to be responsible for that and starting the conversation in the organisation about it. Um, there is an organisational capability around meeting at work. Um, there are levers that we can pull and we know what those levers are. Um, the organisation just needs to make it happen. How important is diversity in the workplace? Diversity in the workplace is really important. Uh, we see a strong connection between diversity and financial performance. Um, it's having different ideas. But diversity without inclusion um, is wasted. What we need is a diverse um, workforce who are free to speak up and give their opinions that are different to the dominant voice in an organisation. So how can workers adapt to the growing influence of artificial intelligence and automation in the future? I think first by not panicking about it. Um, it's, it's happening. Um, but it's happening slower than the media suggests. And your job isn't about to disappear tomorrow. Um, it might disappear in five years or 10 years. And what you can do is use this intervening period to figure out what you really like doing. And if the machines are doing all the job that you don't like doing at the moment, that's an awesome thing because it gives you, frees you up to do something that you really like doing. So I would say the number one thing that someone can do to prepare for AI is explore 
and figure out what you really like and start on a path towards it. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Ross Rieke. Ross raised an interesting point about how with technology driving such significant change in the workplace, there is an opportunity to open discussion on the meaning of work with the knowledge that this will be an increasingly important consideration for workers in the future. And with an aligned view, the commercial opportunities can be leveraged to enable workers and to allow them to focus on what is important and what can make a difference. We recognise this opportunity at Canon, with a number of our business solutions focused on how we can digitise business information and documentation and automate work processes, taking away the more routine, repetitive tasks of our business customers and freeing up workers to focus on work that delivers greater value. If this sounds like something that could benefit your business, visit canon.com.au forward slash business. In the next episode of our Future of Work podcast series, we speak with Lucy Taxa, Director of the Centre for Workplace Futures at Macquarie Business School. To make sure you don't miss out on this or any other future episodes, make sure to hit the subscribe button.